Greetings. This is the YWAM Factor, a podcast about a youth with a mission team in the 1980s. Join us as we relive our adventures and talk about what God did during that time, what we learned, and how those experiences affect our lives now. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe. Now, on to the podcast. Welcome to the first podcast of The Y Factor. I'm Jay. And I'm Alan. And, and uh, we, we worked together 35 years ago. And, um, and funnily enough, we're still friends. <laughs> because we haven't seen each other in 35 years. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you've been doing. You don't know what I've been doing. So we can call ourselves friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and hopefully after doing these podcasts, we'll still be able to keep the relationships from 35 years ago intact. <laughs> Um, but the purpose of the life actor is to is to talk about uh, um, just our experiences in the past following God and what he did in our lives and where he's brought us and in particular um, our experiences in uh, a group called youth of the mission yeah yeah so um, that journey started for me as a uh, as a non-christian um, in 1984, and that's when you know, I I got saved. And how old were you? Uh, I was 22. So that happened very suddenly for me when I moved to Japan, okay. and uh, that started a big journey in what it meant to be a believer, and and it started very missionally for me. So yeah. I had that advantage of of starting out in my faith journey, realizing that I was called to mission. Okay. And yeah. um, it, was, it was the first thing that I, that I knew mm-hmm. as a Christian. I didn't know what it meant. or, or <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, It's kind of probably a good thing you didn't know what it meant. <laughs> yeah. I'm still learning. Yeah. <laughs> when you talk about not being a Christian or not, knowing anything about it i mean what what was that did it ever enter your mind that there was a god out there yeah or did you oh, just yeah. not think about it oh, okay yeah no i was i was from your typical you know your typical working class family who grew up uh, morally pretty good you know my my dad and mom were had a great relationship and my dad wasn't the you know they weren't the kind that every second word was a was a curse um, okay. you know, it was yeah. quite a quite a stable family. We lived in a working class neighborhood, and okay. we're close with our neighbors. And but we we didn't. Uh, in God was not at all involved. Okay. No. Wow. I mean, we got sent to Sunday school, but but um, that's what most families did. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, got sent to Sunday, Sunday school, school. <laughs> and that was enough to that was enough to put me off church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so when I did respond to the Lord, it was as a result of my father, who actually had recommitted his life before me. Okay. And, okay. Uh, a few years before I did. Okay. And um, and then he was encouraging me in uh, to try and develop a faith. Um, I can't remember a time when I wasn't a Christian. Uh, in contrast to you, uh, I don't remember a time when I. Um, you know, quote, ask Jesus into my heart, end quote. Um, I just kind of, uh, 
was grew up in the church, grew up w- with with a faith. Um, I didn't. My parents were, you know, we we I grew up in a working class family in Ohio, and you know, I had friends that that uh, some of them were Christian, some of them weren't. Um, I'm not a. I never was like evangelical in how I pursued my faith. I never tried to get people to follow Jesus, but I knew right. following him was a good thing. And I knew uh, that uh, I, I remember a period of time actually thinking, um, you know, I hope these restrictions on my life are worth it. Because <laughs> 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 uh, at that time, and I, I think I've grown since, I, I sure hope I have grown since then, but uh, it was about going to heaven. You know, it was about obeying God so I didn't go to hell. And yeah. and uh, since then, I've come to understand that it's just, just a heck of a lot more than that. Right. right. And so that's kind of the faith I grew up with. I remember watching, um, there was a movie really popular in the 70s called Thief in the Night. Have you heard of that movie? I've heard of it. I haven't seen okay. it. Okay. It's a, there's three of them, I think, and they're really cheesy Christian movies. But they, but it was about the rapture, you know, and and the rapture happened, and this woman was left behind, and uh, and it's scary. I would wake up in the middle of the night, listening for my parents breathing, hoping hoping that they hadn't been raptured and I'd been left behind. (laughs) 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 Um, I remember reading a book. um, A friend, David Radford, you know, the uh, our mutual friend, he gave me a book or he talked about a book a lot called Crowded to Christ. I, I read it a couple times. It's a, it's by Ellie Maxwell. It's out of print, I think, now. I actually, <laughs> actually, when I worked, one of my jobs was working at a Christian university, and they had two copies, so I took one home, and I never brought it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> um, uh, it, it talks about how when he – when somebody did a study, either he or somebody, I can't remember, of how people came to, to know Jesus. And a high percentage of them, it was because of fear of hell. And and um, so he was saying, you know, the fear of hell is not necessarily a bad thing. But scripture says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. You know, so mm-hmm. there's that aspect of it too. And I think it's important to recognize that. I I don't think God is a God watching us hoping to throw us into hell, you know, which mm. is kind of the picture I had waiting for us to step out of line so we can toss us. Right. Mm. And it's exactly the opposite of that. I mean, if I look at that period of time, I look at it as a time when I was trying to untangle myself. Uh, I think I was, I had a friend who said I, she was tangled up in her own underwear for a long time. <laughs> and I, think I was tangled up in my underwear during that period of time. As a lot of adolescents, you know, when you're when you're in your late teens, that mm. comes out in different ways, you know. And for me, just I look back at um, my high school days. I look back at that that period of my life, and I feel kind of yucky about it because I I was struggling a lot with it, and a lot of it was self condemnation and trying to realizing that I wasn't measuring up. What yeah. what what drove you to Japan? I mean, what how did you make that decision? Did you, were you just traveling? What were you, what were you doing? Well, I, I think primarily it was because, you know, I wanted to advance my career. I was a chef. Okay. And, uh, and I chef. wanted to advance yeah. my I, career and I could get a six month 
I, I could get a six-month working holiday visa in in Japan. Okay. Which meant that I could earn money there as well as experience the country. Okay. And so what happened was one day I went to uh, a big festival. It, it's kind of like the, uh, what do you call it, the state fair in the U.S. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was in Canberra where I was at the time. And I went there with my flatmate. Okay. And my flatmate knew about YWAM. And uh, so he, we were walking around the state fair together. It's called the Canberra Royal Show. Okay. And, and uh, we came across this YWAM tent that was doing stuff like, you know, puppets and they had literature and they had people sitting there praying for people. And wow. Stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so we came across them and my friend said to me, these people might have accommodation for you in Japan. He said, they're all over the world. And I said, okay. So we went into the tent and, we, and I said to this guy, whoever it was that was there, I said, look, I'm going to Japan and I'm really looking for accommodation. And he said, well, do you, um, are you a Christian? I said, no, no, I'm not one of those. Uh, yeah. And, um, and he said, well, I'm sorry, but we're a mission organization. And so we, we only house Christians. The guy said, but, you know, take these pamphlets. You never just never know, you, you know, and take them and have a look. And uh, so I took the pamphlets and I ended up taking them home with me. Okay. And it was a couple of days later on my day off from work that, um, that I picked up the pamphlets and started reading. And then on the back was two testimonies. And one of the testimonies was from a guy or a girl that said, uh, I have found relationship with God that I never knew could exist. Interesting. Um, okay. When, when, I, when I was in this course. And that intrigued you. Yeah. And so, okay. as I mentioned, you know, this was part of my longing. You know, I wanted yeah. to know yeah. what was real. Yeah, and and when I read that, I, I that kind of grabbed my attention. Yeah, and then I went on to the second little mini testimony at the, uh, on that the back of that brochure, and it was from someone that said, "I have found relationship with people, with other young people." Oh um, wow! That that has I've never had friends as close as what yeah. I've made in this course. Yeah. And, um, and that was the other need I had because I was very much a, a loner, even though I was living with my flatmate, yeah. we were not, we were not close and I was just a loner. And so, um, when I read those things, um, God spoke to me okay. and in, in, in so clearly that I knew it wasn't me. Okay. And God said to me, I want you to go to this place. And it just shocked me. It just, I was totally shocked because I knew it was God. Yeah. How did you and know I, that? How did you know? I, how do you know? I mean, uh, yeah. you don't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just, I knew. Yeah. I knew. Not only did I know that, but I knew that I would be a missionary. I knew I would be involved in mission. Wow. Right okay. at that moment. And to cut the, the story short, I ended up finding out about YWAM in Japan. 
Okay. They gave uh, the people were really helpful. They gave me the addresses that I needed, and I wrote to the the base the bases. There was two locations in Tokyo, which mm -hmm. is where I was going, okay. and um, so I wrote to both of them and I said, "Can I come?" Yeah. And uh, and of course, no email in those days. Right. I yeah. So Got to clarify I, that because people don't understand that these days. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's, yeah. So uh, I, I left it at that and I kept making my plans to go to Japan. And it was a matter of about, it was about eight weeks, I think, or something like that before okay. I left that this happened. Yeah. And um, so I waited for a reply, waited for a reply, never got any reply. Uh, I traveled back to my home state, which is on the other side of Australia. It's a three day mm -hmm. journey. Uh, to visit my family before I left for Japan, okay. and uh, while I was there, I I um, uh, I spent Easter with my father. Okay. And I can't remember what I told him, but but I must have talked about what had happened to me. Yeah, you um, must have. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last time that I saw him because, okay. of course, he died. I didn't get a reply from the YWAM base, or either of them, until the day before I was leaving. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I um, and the reply was, don't come. <laughs> 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 We're too small. We don't have any space for you. The place where you need to go is a different place. And, okay, yeah. <laughs> and I, I just said, well, too late. You know, yeah. I've already... And it all, I had my map of Tokyo. I knew yeah. how I was getting from the airport to their place. And and so I just said, well, I'm going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's what happened. And I showed up on their doorstep a few days later. Um, and and I said, um, I'm the guy from, wrote you a letter from Australia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they said, oh, okay. So... They invited me in, and 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 it kind of went on from there. But okay. but that's where my journey with YWAM started was was in this kind of radical, transformative sort of way, where wow. yeah, I changed I changed from being a career chef to being a career missionary. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's pretty incredible. So, did you ever work as a chef in Japan? No, no, oh, I never okay. did. Wow. That's I incredible. did work as a chef after that, but only only kind of stopgap jobs. Okay. Wow. Well, yeah. my, mine's a little bit different um, mm -hmm. uh, because I, you know, I like I said, I, I I don't remember when I wasn't a Christian. I I I I knew that God was there, and I knew that Jesus had saved saved me. Um, I was afraid of going to hell. I, so I don't know what kind of state my faith was in but I knew it was there and I knew there was something more than what I was getting and uh, a guy my sister was dating at the time in college introduced me to the music of Keith Green um yeah. and Keith um Keith was he died in 83 I think it was the summer of 83 and yeah. in a plane crash like a lot of musicians in plane crashes but this yeah. was a, a shock that he died and and I was really drawn to him because through his music, he had a really radical faith. And, okay. and I wanted something like that. I didn't quite know how to get it, though. So I noticed mm -hmm. that his ministry in, in 1984, 
I graduated from high school in 84. And I noticed that his ministry offered a 10-week course called Intensive Christian Training, or ICT. And so I applied, and I got in. And and uh, it was in Texas. I lived in Ohio, so I had to drive. Uh, my dad drove. Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. Did what did your parents think of this? I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Um, I, I think they were excited. I was discovering something, you know? Um, yeah. But, uh, and dad went with me to Texas and, and, and that my dad just thought it was a great place when we got there. He just was really, really impressed with the people there. And I had trouble with homesickness my whole life. I don't know what that stemmed from, but whenever I would leave home, I would miss the familiarity of my surroundings, I would miss, you know, I would feel uncomfortable. I didn't like feeling uncomfortable. And so this was something in the back of my mind when I went to the last days ministries in Texas is, am I going to be homesick? How am I going to get through this? You know? And I arrived there and I never felt one, one, uh, one inkling of homesickness there. I felt like I belonged there from the very beginning, which was, really nice. You know, I, I'm looking back at it now, you know, it's not like I was thinking, well, I'm not feeling homesick, but now when I look back, I go, yeah, I, I never struggled with that. I struggled with it in Japan when we got there, but that's a different story. That was a, a different, different struggle for me, but this was, so I, I was there for 10 weeks. I learned the basics of the Christian faith. Was it similar to like you, you, you hadn't done a DTS because because that got you, your course at, at Last Days Ministries yeah. got you admission into the YWAM circle. Right. But do you know, is it similar to what a DTS is? Yeah, DTS is Discipleship Training School, and everybody who joins YWAM needs to, needs to go through that. And yeah. ICT, it was basically the first three months of, of, of a DTS. Um, so, okay, yeah. so it's fairly similar. It, we had YWAM teachers. We had... We had everybody, everybody was from YWAM. And it was through that that, that uh, I got YWAM guy, Kalafi Mawala, came through. And I was very attracted to him. He had a radical faith, too, at the time. And he, he talked, he told stories, basically, about how, you know, people would get healed when he prayed for them. And uh, lining up people, they were all, he had a bunch of deaf and dumb people come forward at a, at a conference. This is how he, how he said it. He said, God told me to have all the deaf and dumb people come up front. And so, I don't know, a dozen deaf and dumb people came up front. And he prayed that they would be healed. And they all started screaming and shouting because they were hearing for the first time in their lives. And then he said, I woke up the next morning and I thought, why did I do that? <laughs> what if nothing had happened? <laughs> and so that kind of a simple simple, you know, I obey God and, you know, I, I'm willing to be a fool for God uh, mm -hmm. so that he can work through me. That was what was attractive. And he, um, he invited me and uh, a friend named Tom to, to come to Japan to do a, to do a school of evangelism. That's what they called it. S O E. If you are, let us know by hitting that subscribe button. So Tom was a part of your ICT as well. He was, yeah. He was 
yeah, he was an integral part. I think at that point in my life, I, I needed somebody to kind of, Tom, Tom was a, Tom was the guy with the machete and he would cut through the forest and I would follow along behind him, you know, and, <laughs> and maybe snip off some of the straggling weeds, but he was actually the guy with the machete <laughs> at that point. And I needed, I needed somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, that's, that's, that's basically how I ended up in Japan. And I, I remember being at the airport going to Japan and, and Tom and I were flying together and I got there. It was in New York. My parents drove me to New York, which is, you know, about an eight hour drive. And we were, I was meeting Tom there and Tom just didn't show and didn't show and didn't show. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do this by myself. And then at the last minute he showed up. So that was good. And we flew and, you know, it was a great flight. We flew to Korea first and it was a great flight. I didn't realize I'd never been on a plane before. Right. And so, oh <laughs> yeah, and so, well, I think when I was maybe 10, I flew to Chicago with my dad. So, right. you know, that's a 40 minute flight from here. So it wasn't, it wasn't anything like, like a flight to Korea. And, mm-hmm. and, but we were business class and I didn't realize it. You know, there was enough room in front of us to get up and go to the bathroom. Nobody had to get up. Uh, and so we got to to Japan. Uh, I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I here? And we got there and Rachel met us at the airport. You remember Rachel? Yeah. Yes. And uh, she's a Chinese lady. Uh, yeah. She was about our age. Wasn't she maybe a little older? I don't really know. A little know. older. She's um, not much older, but yeah. Definitely wiser <laughs> than me, anyway. <laughs> uh, and uh, took us to uh, the Yotsukaido, where the YWAM base was. And it yes. was was a it was a building with three levels. Is that right? Is that how you remember it? I can't remember if it was two or three. Okay. And uh, I know the place where we were living was two levels. Okay. Okay. Well, it was a, it was, I know, remember it was a tall building and there was the basement where we met and then there was some apartments above it. And oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I'm getting confused with my DTS. Okay. okay. Sorry. Yes. It was, it was, I maybe even been more than three levels. Yeah. That's what I, well, maybe was there four maybe. I, I'm not sure, but she showed us to an apartment. It was a brand new building, brand new apartment. And she proudly yeah. showed us the apartment and there was nothing in it. I mean, it was completely empty. Yeah, but she was very proud that you know that you, and I and my I looked at her and I said, "Well, where are the beds and things?" And she looked at me and smiled and laughed and walked out. <laughs> <laughs> she thought I was joking, but I, I wasn't joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's this nineteen year nineteen year old kid you were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, and so things like that, um, I just was not used to not being provided for. I guess that maybe that's where the homesickness stems from is needing to provide, being on my own and needing to provide for myself. And so, uh, and so that, that's when the homesickness really kind of started and it's like, well, you know, how am I going to pull this off? You know, Mm -hmm. why am I here? Why am I doing this? I do not, I, I'm from you know, a city of 15,000 people in the middle of Ohio. What am I doing here? And I thought that life was fantastic. I remember being there for only a matter of weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I'm only talking like three or four weeks. Yeah. And I just remember stopping and thinking about my life and thinking, I'm a different person. Wow. This, this is just yeah. total, totally radically, I'm changed. Uh, I learned Japanese while I was there. So I went to, I had the money. So I yeah. paid and then I got Japanese lessons. And, um, you know, I could pay for my room and board. I applied to do the discipleship training school, which was in Yokohama okay. in 1984. And I could pay full upfront for that and for my outreach as well. And so, which was yeah. in the Philippines. Yeah. So that, this DTS really transformed me. I, that's where I learned who I was. That's where I learned how to deal with sin. Brilliant. That's where I learned um, yeah. the mission of God and my responsibility yeah. and my role in it. Well, that's, yeah. that, that's really interesting. I mean, I, I'm sensing a theme uh, in your life and also in mine of this beginning stages where God, God, um, like I, I mentioned before, I felt like I was tangled up in my underwear, right? Um, um, the key word is felt that way. But then when our eyes are opened, when we actually turn to God and say, hey, God, you know, show us what's going on, we see the order that, yeah. that, that God had put into place and that those things yes. weren't random. Those things weren't, you know, just uh, uh, nonsensical things that happened in, in, in our lives, that God had an yeah. order and is putting it in order. And that's, that's extremely, extremely comforting, you know, to, to think God is a God of order. Kind of why, one of YWAM's strengths is, is teaching people how to recognize and listen to God's voice, right? Yeah. And you're talking about that and, and understanding what God's voice, voice is and how it sounds. And, and I, I just think people don't get that. Not a lot of people get that. Um, yeah. The fact that God speaks and what his voice actually sounds like. Uh, yes. I remember somebody talking about how it's like talking to your best friend on the telephone. Uh, when you pick it up and there's a stranger there, you don't know who it is. But if it's your best friend, you recognize his voice. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so the more you get to know somebody, the more you recognize his voice. Mm. And that, that was, was a great true. analogy for me. It's like, okay. Then in DTS, we did we did some how do you hear God, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we needed, we wanted a drama to do during our outreach. And the, the team said, we're not going to use a drama that is already there for us. And, you know, just, um, we're just, we're just going to do that one. We are going to ask God to give us a unique drama for our outreach. Wow. And he said, and we're going to do it as a team. Uh -huh. And I remember we all sat down at the table. We'd had the teaching about intercessory prayer and about prayer. Uh -huh. And, and uh, we're going to ask God to speak to us using the principles of intercession, you know, mm -hmm. that I was so good at teaching about. Yeah. And, and we're going uh -huh. to ask God to give us this drama. And I remember we all sat down. There were 12 of us on the DTS. And each of us was given just one, just one or two things. Wow. And when we all shared it, it all came together somehow into yeah. a drama. Yeah. And we got this drama. It, yeah. You know, those, yeah. those are really, um, those times are formative times. Yeah. 
Yeah. Where I learned that if we listen, if we take time to listen to God, mm -hmm. He will speak, and yeah. He He will uh, fill in the gaps that we just don't know about. <laughs> and, yeah, that's that's really true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you remember the drama we did in SOE? Do you remember that? Uh, oh yeah. Uh, no. No, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember. I just remember I was Jesus at the beginning anyway. And uh, and uh, you were nailing me to the cross and I couldn't stop smiling. <laughs> I remember that now. You tell me. My place, actually. Because I, I couldn't. And we would be nailing you and you're sitting there going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think you took you were better at I, I've I've never been good at drawing I've never been really into that sort of thing and so uh, you were much better at it than uh, than uh, I was because I think you were you were kind of into it weren't you drama and stuff um, at that stage in your life well we'd done drama on the DTS and so so you understood it yeah. oh okay yeah. okay yeah. Well, what I remember about you is that you kind of naturally fit into that. In fact, there there, yeah. there are some things I remember about you, actually, at that stage, you naturally were good at. You were naturally good at language. You naturally fit into the drama. You, you did a lot of, a lot of things seem to come to you naturally. I don't know if that's how you remember it, but that's how I remember perceiving you. And, mm -hmm. and uh, feeling, feeling actually a little bit subpar to you during that time. Oh. Yeah, feeling like, yeah, well, well I was maybe one day old. I can be like Al. <laughs> I was five years older than you, Jay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you were. I mean, did, you have, <laughs> did you have any education at that point other than your basic? Uh, uh, no, I, I graduated from high school. I went straight into a cooking apprenticeship. Okay. okay. And I did that for four years. So that was it. Okay. That's all I had. Okay. Um, yeah, so I didn't I had have any. Yeah. I went right out of high school too. I was nineteen, I think, when we, when we landed in Japan. Yeah. So. Yeah. But you know, one thing I, I do um, recall because we talked, you talked about language, and uh, we were talking about how you felt, how you would feel so out of place for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here mm -hmm. in India and even in Japan, and I think for me, because I had aptitude in language, that. And I would push myself to learn language. I don't know why I knew that that was important, uh -huh. um, but I did push myself to learn language, and and I think that helped me a lot. Yeah. And, until I got to Pakistan, then yeah. <laughs> that's when <laughs> things got more difficult. But, um, uh, but yeah. That's those are, those are stories down the road. <laughs> we will clarify that down the road. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was. Uh, so we were three months in in Yotsukaido in Tokyo. We were. Uh, and uh, there was. I forget how many people were on the school. I don't. I don't. I mean, I can't remember either. Twenty, maybe about twenty. Maybe like I'm, I'm kind of pulling that out of the air. I'm not really sure. Yeah, um, and we had very um, mature leaders, which yeah. was great. We had Betty and and Steve and Rachel. And Rachel, mm -hmm. Betty and Stephen Rachel, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And Betty had been in India for a long time at that point. And so had Steve. Yeah. yeah. And Rachel, Rachel had, where had Rachel been? Rachel uh, had been in India as well. 
Patsy, okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, but she she wanted to go to Malaysia. Yeah, yeah. Which is where she was from, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 I remember thinking, wow, it'd be nice to be called to my home country. Why do I have to go to some other country? It's kind of my state of mind I, at that point. Yeah. First, I had the travel bug. Um, I knew I was called to mission. Um, so I, I and I loved traveling and experiencing cultures. I was, yeah, you know, I'm always excited, um, apprehensive but excited at the same time about going to to South Asia. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, these were formative. A very, From very exciting whirlwind times. For yeah, me. yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was very good to, uh, to be in a. I, I think that was a pretty covered situation. I mean, we were covered by God. We were covered by people, um, wise people during that time. And yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there, there's an element of the Holy Spirit and God working in me during that time. Uh, but I also, I was very impressionable at that time in my life too. And so I, I, I wonder, you know, if I had fallen in with a, with a cult or something like that, I wonder, you know, would I have been able to see that this is wrong, that this is not. Who, who made the greatest impression? You mentioned Kalafi Mawala, who was of course there during our SOE. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say, think that he was the greatest impression on you? Um, no, I, I didn't, we didn't see much of Kalafi. I mean, he, he was traveling all the time. That's, that's how I remember it anyway. Steve was the, um, was a great influence in my life. Yeah. And, and Betty too. Betty was very influential too. Um, Steve was, Steve was so level-headed. He was. Yeah. And kind. And godly. I mean, when you talked with Steve, you felt like you were his best friend and there was yes. nobody else in the world. Yeah. Yes. You, you were, you had his full attention and he really yes. accepted you. And that yes. was, I remember thinking, I, I, I want to be like that. I, yeah. I don't know that I am, <laughs> but I, I try. That's one of the standards. Yeah. I shoot for is, yeah. It'd be that, it'd be that accepting of, of anybody. And as far as teachings go, I mean, there were there were a lot of teachings during during my my uh, ICT and SOE. Uh, SOE was different. The teachings were different. They weren't so much character formation, although there was some of that, if I remember right. But it was more missiology type of things. Uh, learning about the ten forty window. Uh, yeah. Learning about uh, you know different uh, different uh, missiological things. Uh, and then, of course, learning about Pakistan because I had no idea where that country was. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know where Japan was. <laughs> I didn't know where I was in the world at that time. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. the book. We were, do you remember we had to do a book report just as soon as we arrived? And it was on that book called World Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And that really impacted me. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, we're responsible for the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that, for me, that that's that's still a big part of my life. Yeah. Well, as an intercessor. Well, what motivated me a lot during those times too, up until I don't know, um, it was before I got married, but but I was very very focused on if people don't, if we 
as God's servants, don't reach the world and it won't be reached, Mm -hmm. you know, and that weighed really heavily on me for a long time. I think as I got older and more mature, I started to understand the sovereignty of God a little bit better. And so, and and knowing that that wasn't a burden he meant for me to carry, but he also, Mm -hmm. but, but it's still kind of true and we still need to obey him. We still need to, you know, he's using us to reach the world. I remember, um, I remember, I think it was Samuel Zwemer. I think it was Samuel Zwemer, one of these heroes of the faith anyway, was called to uh, go go to a country, India or somewhere. And um, what, some of the people in his church didn't agree. And one of them said to him something like, uh, if God wants to reach the heathen, he can very well do it without you. You know, <laughs> and just being horrified at that and then realizing, well, he can, but he's not, he's chosen not to, he's chosen to use us. And yeah. coming to that understanding um, took, you know, it was an evolution for me. You know, it was a growth point for me. And I, I felt very almost self-righteous about the fact that there were people, you know, just, just, just living life in America, Christians, and not, didn't have a concern for reaching the lost. Yeah. 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 And yeah, YWAM, YWAM can do that to you, you know, yeah. particularly when you're, when you're overseas with YWAM. Yeah. You know, you, you get to experience cultures that have a lot less and have a lot that uh, you see the unreached, you see, you see what, what life is like without Christ mm-hmm. and, um, and without the influence of Christ in our yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, and I remember going back on my first uh, um, trip home uh, uh, um, for any length of time um, when I was yeah. still part of YWAM. And, and I remember um, saying to my, my mother, um, my stepmother, do we have to get three bottles of milk every day? <laughs> Why do we get the newspaper delivered, you know? We do. Does anybody read it? You know, <laughs> I was, I was, you know, you, you start to think about the fact that that there's so much waste. Yeah, so, yeah. Why yeah. are you paving the parking lot of the church? You should give that money to me. <laughs> <I'm overseas>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a certain element of that, or, or, um, yeah, just. You know, it's it's a. I think it's a skill. Actually, I think it's a Christian skill. Something God teaches you, of not being judgmental. Mm. I think. I think. I think we're natural. I have mellowed a bit. <laughs> What's that? What? I said I have mellowed a bit <laughs> since the milk bottle days. <laughs> well, that's good. How many do you ha- do you get a day now? <laughs> I'm not telling. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I think I think you know it's 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 a it's a spiritual or Christian skill to to walk the Christian life. I think it's something you need to to develop as you go along. And uh, uh, when you're young, you don't have the skills. When you get older, you, you kind of develop them. And then you know when you're old like us now, you know we have it all together. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's wrap it up. Okay, so we've gotten to the point of of um, 
you know, getting to Japan and some brief glimpses into our life there. I think next week we should talk more about the people that we worked with there and the people right. that we, uh, we met and what God was doing in them from our perspective and how they yeah. God used them in our lives to, to mold and shape us. Because, you know, let's face it, it's the people that, that, that rub against us, that, that make us really who we are. And, and um, yeah, there, there were really a wonderful bunch of people who yeah. were all um, similarly focused and who God was working on. And so, yeah. Yeah. so it'd be great to talk about some of those. We touched on a few of them briefly. We did, yeah. But I think there's, there's, when I think of those times in YWAM, it's the people that come to my mind all the time. You know, the experiences are there too, but the experiences were memorable and life-changing because of the people I was with. Yeah. And my lessons that I learned were from the people. You know? I even learned some things from you. So. <laughs> <laughs> To stop smiling when you're being Jesus on the cross. Yeah. Jesus should not be smiling when he's getting nails driven in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on the YWAM Factor podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out. See you next time.